This podcast is offered by Jikoji Zen Center on the web at jikoji.org. Our programs are made possible by donations from people like you. Uh, all the Jikojians who are uh, bringing us all together and uh, welcome to everyone on um, on this on this spring day. Uh, so I hope you're enjoying the spring energy wherever you are, whether it's uh, whether it's sunshine and gentle breezes like it is here in Northern California, or whether it's raining. Uh, we're all here and practicing together, and that's uh, that's beautiful. I really enjoyed hearing the uh, sounds from Jikoji. Uh, during the meditation periods this morning, during Zazen. It's really great to hear the birds, the squirrels, the turkeys, uh, <laughs> and and the occasional uh, motorcycle, all part of Chikoji. So, uh, so it seems like a wonderful day to to be together in practice because it's it's also Mother's Day. So I welcome you to, and I hope you're enjoying Mother's Day. And for in this country and several others on this very day, uh, the second uh, Sunday in May, we celebrate our mothers and uh, perhaps even more important uh, for us as people who contemplate, follow, uh, follow our hearts, to, to feel more deeply what it is to be a human being. Uh, we honor our mothers and, and also remember, remember that we're actually born from a mother, that our actual birth comes from a woman, a mother, and that's a great gift from whoever our mother happens to be or was to each of us. Um, so there are stories about how this specific day, the second day in May came to be, but um, came to be designated Mother's Day, but honoring our mothers in happens in many cultures around the world. Uh, and it happens at different times. So it's kind of all through the year, many clustered around the spring. Um, it goes back to his prehistoric times. We know this because the earliest statues that we know, fashion statues uh, of carved from rock or mammoth tusk or made of clay are of female figures. And they've been dated to 36,000 years ago or even before. And rather, then a deification of the feminine, I see this as a recognition of our fundamental nature and our knowledge that we're not alone. We actually come from another human being and the union of two human beings. Uh, and however that may be accomplished in the modern world, uh, this is the material that we have, our material body. We realize that we're not separate from other material bodies as we appear in this world now to each other even. Uh, we're earth beings 
also were compounded of these different elements. Again, no matter how we came to be here, we are made of the stuff of our mothers and fathers and all the elements. And in Buddhism too, mothers have been honored from the time of Shakyamuni Buddha. Um, the early, early Buddhism has many, many mother stories, including that of Buddha's own mother, Maya, who died shortly after giving him birth. And his aunt, his mother's sister, his aunt Pajapati, nurtured him as a mother. Uh, and then she became the first female Buddha follower to recognize her own liberation and to share that with others. So that's when we chant uh, the echo when then we, we, name, uh, we name the mother, we name Mahapajapati uh, after Buddha. Her poem is also the first in the Terigata, which is a collection of uh, of liberation songs, you could say, of, of Buddhist women followers, the early ones that were contemporaries actually practicing alongside the Buddha uh, in many cases, or practicing with uh, Mahabhajapati and other senior and elder teachers. So the, the men also have a collection, uh, the um, Teragata, of their stories, but the women's collection tells stories of, in poet, in the form of poems, of mothers and daughters and courtesans, and villagers, and women who had large families and wealth and, uh, and yet lost it all due to whatever circumstances, natural disasters, uh, plagues. You know, the world has never been easy. Uh, in a way to live in. It also has stories of women who were too poor to even be married, to even have the chance to be a mother, and who begged for their, the other, their other siblings and their mothers and fathers. And stories of women who were slaves and women who escaped slavery and wandered alone in the forest as the men seekers did. So all these women found their way to, uh, to Shakyamuni Buddha or, or followers of Shakyamuni Buddhas. And eventually, as the stories unfold and the poems are written to uh, Buddha himself. And they all practiced as renunciants. Uh, so they practiced as nuns, we, we would say now, uh, giving up home life if they if they had it, for some it was a choice. They could say, "I, as Shakyamuni Buddha did, I am leaving this world and going to look uh, more deeply at what it means to be a human being. And they practiced until, as all the Buddhist lineage stories of awakened men and women tell us, they saw through their delusions and they did what they could to share their realizations. So as Mahayana Buddhism and, and Vajrayana Buddhism developed, um, it came to be sort of what I consider a, um, a kind of, uh, of a story version of 
of an of an icon of a statue or a, a representation a representation through language of uh, prajna paramita um, we chant the great wisdom beyond wisdom heart sutra which is the prajna paramita sutra and prajna paramita is a figure of a woman who is um, all embracing wisdom and compassion and considered the mother of all buddhas mother of all buddhas in taiwan mother's day is actually celebrated on buddha's birthday many uh, many buddhist uh, countries and cultures celebrate celebrate buddha's birthday on the full moon in may and not on a specific date uh, or they go with another kind of lunar calendar. So our mothers and where we come from and are, are seeking to know more completely uh, who we are and what we are beyond what we call ourselves, beyond our self-identity which is an extra, an overlay to what we really are. I mean, yes, we're quarks and space and carbon and hydrogen and flesh and bone and also heart, mind and awareness. And we're delusion and Buddha. We're all of these things. What we've been given, though, is our life by our mothers and and through our own recognition we have also been given the the impulse one could say uh, to 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 look more deeply and to to see what prajna paramita means to us prajna paramita reminds us that our own body with all of its whatever it looks like however it acts in moments uh, however it changes through time uh, the body of wisdom and compassion is our very own body and we're also given through our practices and through prajna paramita um, to know that there's a way to embody these human, these truly deep human qualities of wisdom and compassion. And the way we follow in Zen is simply to sit down and see what, uh, and see whatever comes up, see whatever we see in the moments that that we devote to this practice. So it's a little gata, uh, a little verse to remind us what meditation is, what sitting, what zazen is, to recall our, ourselves to practice. Slow, stop, Sit still, 
see. And in Zen, we, we further amplify our seeing and bring it into action. We do this with the Bodhisattva vow to, again, the vow reminds us um, what, what we're doing here and what, we, what is possible for us to do here, what we can do not only when we're sitting. And we take that vow at the end of our meeting today the Prajna Paramita Sutra of 8,000 verses describes the intention of the Bodhisattva as maintaining a motherly mind dedicated to protecting and nurturing conscious beings and inviting them along the path of all embracing love. So that's a big vow. Uh, that seems can seem kind of overwhelming. Um, and especially when we get in those, uh, when we get kind of tight, when we feel cramped and closed and constricted in our body or our mind and heart, um, it seems like grand words and aspirations, maybe for other people sometimes, not for us. Um, but our mothers in the Buddha way, and this is, uh, <laughs> this is uh, whether our mothers are men or women, because we're all, we all have so much in, uh, in, in, in common, literally, genetically, <clears throat> that our mothers can be women too. They've bequeathed us the forms and the paths and the means to, uh, to relax and open our eyes to the larger view and to see that we can, in fact, uh, we can, in fact, nurture beings. We can, we can nurture people we don't like. We can nurture people that we don't, we can hold in our hearts and even nurture, in a sense, give, give them, send good wishes to people we don't agree with politically or in, in Dharma worlds and any, in any world, in any situation in our lives, we can hold and nurture people in a sense of knowing our intention. So some of these forms we have carried down to us, passed down to us, and we remembered some of them today in the echo, uh, are, are chanting and bowing, gashoing, simply sitting. She cantaza zazen itself. And these simple acts are enough to open our hearts and minds. But sometimes it's so simple, we, we can't believe it. Uh, but when we bow down, uh, we bow and let go of the great me who holds often the center of our intention, 
uh, our little wishes and wants, desires. We let that go with its hindrances and fears. And we touch the ground actually with uh, spaciousness. There are so many Zen stories of simple acts that wake us to the vast view of who we are fundamentally. In fact, it's really one of the characteristics from my perspective of Zen is like these, these simple acts in, in our daily lives as we go through life. Sometimes these, these stories, have, they have all kinds of ways of, of occurring. Sometimes they involve a jolt or a pain, a loud noise or a shout or um, a Zen teacher being slap, slapping somebody. But sometimes there's simply a shift in awareness through the physical sense doors uh, or, and the mind sense door. And this shift in awareness takes us out of our hab habitualness, out of our kind of groove of uh, our thought trains kind of speeding along or our, uh, our to-do lists or our kind of foggy spacing out. Uh, our disengagement with ourselves, with our own bodies and minds. So it, it's a shift in awareness. Uh, um, these practices uh, condition us to be really present for where we are in each moment. And other times it's something like a magical gift appearing from nowhere. We hear ourselves saying the same phrase that we've chanted uh, who knows how many times for months or years. Or, um, and suddenly we can see and feel in our whole body, heart, mind, who we really are and know what we really can do in this world. We know what we can do to be happy and continue along our way. And we don't know when the gift will appear. So that's, uh, that's why we do the practices so that we can keep awake to the moments when the gift does appear. So I'd like to close with a poem from one of our Chan uh, ancestors. Of course, Dogen, uh, founder of Soto Zen went to China because he couldn't find enough of what he was looking for that those moments of awakeness and studied with the Chan teachers. And this, this teacher is uh, Ling Yun. And Dogen was so moved by uh, Ling Yun's poem of the gift of awakening to who he truly was that he quoted him in, uh, his, in Dogen's Taisho valley streams, mountain colors. And in this talk, Dogen also speaks of several ways that people came to being aware of who they were and what they could do, their own awakening. So Ling Yun was practicing with Guishan, who was his teacher. And it, after, for many years, and at a certain point he he gave Guishan this poem. 
For 30 years, I have looked for a sword master. Many times thieves fell. Many times new ones sprouted. One glimpse of peach blossoms. Now, no more doubts. One glimpse of peach blossoms. Now, no more doubts. Just this. Just this. Guishan bowed to him and acknowledged his awakening, his, his, his knowing who he was. He said, one who enters with ripened condition will never leave. And Dogen then remarks in his talk from this story of Lingyun and Guishan, who does not enter with ripened causes? Who enters and then goes away? This awakening is not limited to Lingyun. This awakening is for all of us. From our mothers, we've been given the great gift of our lives. And from our Buddha ancestors, Prajna Paramita, Prajapati, Lingyun, Dogen, and all the others, the gifts of recollections, means, and words to recall ourselves to our shared human gifts. So I thank you very much for your attention. And now we have time for um, for reflections, um, comments, questions, whatever comes to you if you wish to speak. And yeah, Carolyn, uh, <clears throat> it's, it's a big thing that you mentioned, and it, it kind of hit me, uh, especially these days on, on a very, you know, small level and a big level. You said something, we can nurture people we don't like or agree with. And uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know what I'm asking for. Maybe some hints. <laughs> I mean, is this nonverbal? I mean, sometimes, uh, uh, I mean, that field of action or non-action of uh, action that is physical or just mental or it's, it's, uh, it's huge. I don't know. I mean, it just kind of overwhelmed me with that. I, I, I agree with it, but it just felt overwhelming uh, what you said. So I don't know if you can elucidate a little bit more on that or. Thank you so much, Randy. Um, of course, that's, that's, um, that's, <laughs> You put your finger on the on the heart of it, like how to 
how do we hold uh, this knowing of, of the feeling of wanting to nurture and wanting to be nurtured by others. And yet in the messiness in the, uh, with, with, with what our reactivity, our, our, difficult, our, our difficulties with others. Um, so, because if we go, if we just pretend that, you know, this nurturing, this wonderful mother quality, uh, we can sort of do gloss over where we really are. We can't deny that we, that we are also human and that we have, that we have uh, our moments of, of being overwhelmed, of being, of just, of saying, no, I just can't do it at this point. I mean, for, to ourselves and for ourselves. Um, so we also take in the precepts, we say there's no being angry in Zen, you know? So it's, it's being uh, open to, I guess I could say it's being really aware of when those moments of nurturing do come up huh. and, and just, just focusing on that. And that, that um, we don't have to jump out and say, we're gonna love every, every uh, politician that's trying to take votes away from people. It's not <laughs> like that. I mean, but, if, but we, can, we can hold that they are, are, are two humans who have also been given this gift. So it's the, it's the non-separation of ourselves from others. And you also, you know, point to that um, ultimately there's, there's no way to talk about it or describe it. We all just do the best we can, but we can feel a more whole integrated feeling of it. Um, so, and so it's not a, it's not a prescription that we have to do this because we're following the way, but it, it is a quality that's worth pointing out, this nurturing quality, this being the mother or the stories of grandmothers and having the grandmotherly mind in Zen. Um, tuning into that more and, and just, just simply noticing when that comes up. So that's what I can, what I can say and uh, yeah. So thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks. Carmen. That, um, that piece um, also jumped out at me and um, it really seems like because we're not separate, it's also not just for the other's benefit when you can realize um, or, or shift your, oh, for example, I've been really struggling with somebody, somebody who hurt, felt like hurt my feelings because they were separating. <laughs> they were putting a line between me and them. And uh, um, 
And I actually was working with Angie about this and I just said, I want to just, if I could just cut this off or just get over it and not deal with that anymore, you know? And she's, and she pointed out right away, I don't think it's possible. We can't cut, you know, we can't cut off. <laughs> and, and, and then I was like, well, I don't know what to do about it. And, and she's like, well, well, you could hold each other. <laughs> and which is opposite of what I felt like doing, but also the only way through, uh, the only way we have no other way to deal with. Um, anyway, it just felt, um, it just made me realize there's no other way to work with this than to realize we're, we're so connected that all we can do is um, accept and, and, and then give understanding, compassion. <laughs> anyway, it felt very visceral um, that um, my resistance to it was not going to get me through this situation. <laughs> so, okay. thank you. Thank you, Karen. Yeah, resistance um, is is a constriction and a, and a tightening, and uh, and we can definitely feel that in our in our bodies and um, and e even through energetically in our cells and sometimes specific organs, um, and and yet we so. Um, we have to trust that uh, where where our heart direction is, and and a big part of it is recognizing it again, as you say, like as you did, recognizing that you had this feeling. Sometimes it's not always appropriate to hold someone, but but you can also hold people in in can hold them in your heart. Oh, that person is suffering, or and without being pitying them but just to know I guess it's a kind of a mirror reflection of when you have been in that place when you have been this is just another being whether I know them or not or, uh, it's just another human being who is <laughs> working who's working and living in a whole lot of different levels at once so recognition awareness and trusting Trusting ourselves, trusting our practices. Oh, that's, that's a big piece of it. Thank you again. Taizan. Thank you, Carolyn. You know, I, I had a friend visit us who's very, very political and has the same you know, views as me, but was expressing so much of just what Randy was talking about, just this frustration with finding any kind of common way of communicating and much less feeling positive, you know, as you mentioned, or, or nurturing. And it got me thinking about uh, couples therapy. When you go to, to a therapist, a really good therapist, uh, 
usually what starts off with couples is is a dispute about about the facts. So it's like at the almost at the last level, facts, and then you know in, interpreting them. But oftentimes, what a therapist will do is say, "Okay, set aside the facts. What do you feel when you hear this?" So, you know, asking the other person, "What do you feel when, you know, she says, well, I just feel like he doesn't listen to me, and he, or, or you know, he's just lazy, and I don't, you know, and all of these judgments that have come out of these things." But then just say, "But, but how does it make you feel?" And then ultimately, it usually comes down to some kind of a common expression of sadness, of a sense of loss, a sense of this person doesn't, you know, I, I don't know if I'm actually valued and loved or, you know, some kind of a variation on that theme. And then hearing that sometimes the other person can, because maybe they've never expressed that. And it got me thinking too about how just in our own political world, we don't start off by saying, I want to start off by saying, I really care about everyone. You know, everyone here, I care about the world. I want us to be happy, you know, which is kind of our, our theme that we always say in our sutras. And so it doesn't start from that position. And then it starts from the end of the conversation where there's the dispute over facts and the interpretation of them. Anyway, I don't know how you would get there, Randy, but if you could act like a therapist maybe and say, well, how does that make you feel? I know, I don't know if that would work. <laughs> but anyway, I was just thinking of that. Thank you. Thank you, Tyson. Yeah, there are many skillful means. And if you are moved to, um, in that world, there, there, there are wonderful Dharma teachers, contemporary Dharma teachers who work with political um, situations. But it's, it's as you said, Taizan, uh, being aware, and what Karen said, and what being aware and recognizing, recognizing what, where you actually are, and then trusting that you uh, will be able to get to where that place is um, when the conditions are ripened, as Guishan said, and as Dogen said. Thank also, you. Also what you said too, Carolyn, about noticing in the body. You know, that's a very, very important and oftentimes not addressed, like where in the body and what are you, am I feeling? And you know, is, is it actually a tightening in my chest? Is it a, a disruption in my stomach? Is it, you know, really watching the effect of the body and how it manifests? That really is a wonderful source as well to see, you know, to, to uh, you know, it's basically just a, like a finger pointing to the moon in a way of, of what's going on when I hear something or when something's going on. 
And uh, so that was, I thought that was really, really great of you to point that out too. Thank you. Thank you. Kathy. Hi, thank you very much for your talk. Um, it felt like you stole all my thunder because um, on Tuesday in float, Floating Zendo, I'm supposed to read the discussion of chapter 25 in Embracing Mind. And chapter 25, although it's a short chapter, it's about the three pure precepts. And I think, I think something about um, maybe maybe what some other people have talked about is, is it's really hard to embrace good and goodness when I disagree with someone and have and have a visceral feeling like Taizan talked about a visceral feeling of disgust for them. But um, so if one of the pure precepts is embracing good actions, I think the best I can do at times is to have an intention for good actions. And sometimes maybe that's just the practice right there. I may not be able to act it out. Um, but I, I can do my best to feel empathic to the situation, to the person, and um, and understand that maybe maybe this other person has been suffering his entire life, and I can feel compassion for that. Um, and I can also feel compassion for myself because during the COVID lockdown, I spent a lot of time doing nothing. And I don't think it was in a Zen, Soto Zen way. It was just, I was just kind of being a couch potato. And um, I think it's important to have compassion um, for myself and an intention to um, put more good action into into my life or allow more good action to be in my life um, so that um, maybe that's awakening. I don't know. But having a good intention towards other human beings, other beings, um, even myself, seems to be a good way to go. Thank you, Kathy. That's what uh, Prajna Paramita pointed out. Um, yes, our intention to nurture. And also, um, you point out as, of an important aspect of for ourselves too, as we are. So, um, as, as, as with all of our flaws, 
So I see Pamela and uh, Michael have their hands up. Pamela. Michael, you unmuted. So Pamela next. Um, I was just curious. Thank you for your talk. Um, this being Mother's Day, and you were talking about the first, the first religious objects, the first all the early early human history are female, are female uh, sculptures, female, and how how did we get this huge division away from a female, actually, which is where we all come from? I think the male is a secondary thing to the female, and how how did even Buddhism was extremely paternalistic. And, you know, I think that's an error, you know, I think that's, we lost something along the way. And um, we haven't found it. I mean, we, you know, we've incorporated more females, but we really haven't found that, that which was lost to me. I, I don't know how to address that exactly, but, I, but I, it was just a thought because you had brought up these early statues and carvings were all female. You know, and how 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 did that get lost? What are your thoughts on that? Thanks. Thank you, Michael. Thank you for bringing that in. I think I'll leave that for everyone's um, to let everyone take it as they will, because we have many people who wish to speak. And uh, but I, it's important. It's very important, and I appreciate so much that you brought in your perspective there. Thank you. And then we have Pamela and Jackie and Karn. Thank you. Thank you, Carolyn, for the talk. Um, the two things that came up for me were um, this idea of caring for people with whom we feel a re response, a reaction that maybe feels very much separating. And I just want to say in my practice that it's almost like shining the light on something inside of me when I have those reactions. And that's what I work with, that there's something there for me. It's not the object, the person is not the object. And it's very helpful for me to remember that when I'm having a bodily response to someone, uh, it could be their political views, it could be their you know, attitude, not whatever, it's a million options here. But whenever there's a response like that, it's mine, it's not theirs. And I'm creating the separation in that moment, not their views, I am. So that's one thing that's been helpful to me. <clears throat> the other thing that really uh, came up is for those of us who've been present at the bedside of someone who is dying, and I was an estate planning attorney, so I was at a lot of those. Um, I was always observing, I was in my thirties, and I was really observing that what's left at the end when people are dying is just this body. This is, this is the being is not the extra layers of, you know, a lifetime of being a member of the NRA or whatever. None of that's in the room, none of it. It's just this human being. And that also, that really influences my practice all the time that when people are even hateful, you know, if they're acting in a way that's hateful, that, you know, memento mori, you know, we're all going to be there. And it reminds me, I guess, of this really deep connection 
just being human and not to cut myself off from that and not anybody else either, if I can. So thank you for your talk. It made it, it was very rich. Thank you, Pamela. Jackie. I think uh, what, what I was going to say follows really well from what Pamela said, and that is um, I have a friend who I've known f since her children were four and five, and now we have children who have children who are four and five and older. And she is completely different from me in her opinions, uh, in all the ways that, that are difficult sometimes, like political opinions and, um, and so on. I think she, you know, she voted for Trump and she had a lot of and yet, and yet, and yet, none of it matters. None of it matters because our connection is prior and deep and a heart connection. And just recently she emailed me and we emailed back and forth and she really laid forth a lot of her views and a lot of them were difficult for me to hear um, about how Black Lives Matter people are doing terrible things and so forth. And yet, I, so I wrote back to her, if I can just read a tiny bit, I said, yes, we live in different meaning worlds, but our hearts are in the right places. And um, I acknowledge our tribal differences, our information source differences, all leading us to conclusions that fall far afield of each other's. And yet in some way, it just doesn't matter in terms of our friendship, whose roots lie close to home. You couldn't be perfecter. And, and I really feel it. And I don't really understand why I feel it. I just do. And, and I wonder if that can help me be a bridge, because it's not like that with other people who support things I don't believe in. And I don't totally understand why it's so different with my friend, Ruth. Um, but it is such a deep feeling of connection and that feeling of connection at that heart level makes all these other things somehow up there. And it's just like Pamela was saying, when you're dying, none of that stuff is there anymore really. And so on Mother's Day, I'd like to acknowledge my friend who is a wonderful mother and a wonderful friend. <laughs> Thank you, Jackie. Karn. Thanks so much for your talk, uh, Carolyn, and, and thanks to everyone for their questions and comments. Um, thank you for sharing. One of the questions I had, uh, which came up during the talk, and and in general, these these uh, 
as I was listening to the various uh, comments and, and questions is that, like for example, in the talk we discussed or you talked about this deeper, this deeper wisdom and compassionate self that that exists within all of us and 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 prajna paramita is is kind of reaching that place but at the same time like when we talk about awakening or we talk about our awakening and we talk about our issues and we talk about our fears and we talk about our pain and so it um it it seems really challenging for me to think about um this to to let go of this uh, me that is having all of these issues at the same time this me also wants to go to this place which uh, which is beyond all of these things and receives that gift that you were talking about and so in a way in a way this there is this attachment which is um, which is being created because of because of just recognizing all of these things and so so my question is how to navigate that like how to it seems like it seems like um it seems like i am my own barrier but how can how can how can i ever navigate that or 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 think about the the deeper wisdom and and compassion when i'm when i'm always myself um and, and so, so so there is like there is this kind of confusion or it it seems it almost seems not genuine um i hope i i there were a lot of mixed thoughts i hope i uh, communicated my question thank you um well yes i think you um you also pointed to what everyone has what randy started out with it's we we all have this and we continue to have it um as we as we know why we're here we we know that and yet and yet there's this we have this duality uh, about and confusion and a couple of things you said may may point to one way to look at it um <clears throat> you you mentioned getting beyond these you know getting beyond these but really there's there's no getting beyond there's always it's all it's always all there and 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 thinking about it as the other thing thinking is um is often just leads us to more confusion so it's not it's not really a thought thing 
And we, we do have, um, this is part of our human beingness too. Um, but what we do is do the simple things in Zen practice and most Buddhist practices, <clears throat> most Buddhist traditions, we, we simply just sit down and let it be whatever comes up. You, you, as Pamela pointed out, there's no avoiding difficulties and so on. there can be ways to work with it. But if we strategize too much, uh, we, as, as, the, <clears throat> as the third uh, ancestor said, words, the way is beyond words. So that discursive part of us that tries to figure things out, that's the, that's the jhana, the, the, the knowledge part. And then prajna is the wisdom beyond wisdom. And yes, it can seem, so that's what I mentioned, it, it, it can seem too big or not real, or as you, or as you said, Karn, not genuine. We can't re really strive for us. We sort of like put ourselves in the way of letting it happen to us. Um, what's a, a, an image that, um, that my teacher, who, was, who Karen had, works with, Angie used, is like, we just, um, we just put ourselves in the soup, which is the soup of a lot of sitting practice. And, uh, and then we soften up. We, and we can't have a timetable. We can't, we just like the carrots and the potatoes and the onions and it, it comes together. And we, so an awakening also isn't, there are different kinds and forms and it's not an outside, there's this and the lightning flashes and all of a sudden we don't have any problems anymore. Um, if you read the, the stories of people, Buddha had problems, Dogen had problems, there are always problems. So it's feeling in ourselves, it's like what our, our feeling to be at ease. Dogen also has this wonderful talk on the joy and ease of Zazen, but which I, it's the feeling of being at ease with ourselves, even in the midst of our, of our anger and not beating ourselves up and not, but just owning that as uh, Pamela pointed out owning, knowing that, uh, that this is us too, but, uh, and then letting it go and moving on because when we fix and get constricted, holding on is, uh, that is not a good strategy. So then we just try to move beyond. So I hope uh, what I have said has not added more confusion and, um, and I hope it, uh, as the monks say in Southeast Asia, if it has not been useful, then just disregard it <laughs> as best you can. Um, because ultimately each of us um, just has to do, follow our way our, ourselves. Keep, keep not giving up though. Keep remembering why you're even here and why you have these questions is because you know deeply that there's, um, that there are these possibilities of being in the world moment by moment. So thank you very much. Thank you so much.
So, So um, we would end um, our talk today with, uh, with being in touch with our intentions. May our intention extend equally to every being in place with the true merit of Buddha's way. Beings are numberless, I vow to save them. Delusions are inexhaustible, I vow to end them. Dharma gates are boundless, I vow to enter them. Buddha's way is unsurpassable, I vow to become it. Thank you all so much, good to see everyone old faces and new and enjoy your day and um thank you carolyn for your talk um we have some announcements this coming sunday is the last sunday not this coming is it this sunday i'm lost here on the last sunday of the month we will have science and buddhism on May 30th, which will be led by Michael Schnee, who is with us. Do you want to say something quickly about that, Michael? Yes, it's going to be on um, consciousness, what that means exactly in, in terms of Buddhism and science. How do, they, how do they differ? How are they the same? What is really meant by sentient beings? You know, I'm going to go into that. I'll have um, something to send you, Nico, on Wednesday with a website. Um, I just got back from Florida. I drove last all night last night. I got back today from, well, actually I flew, but I had to drive from Portland. So I'll get on that starting tomorrow. Thank you. Thank you. We'll look forward to that. And the following Saturday, the first Saturday of June, we will have a Zazenkai, which is a full day sit. And that's pretty much what we have coming up in the, in the near term so uh, look for that in the newsletter and on the website and we'll see you soon thank you for being here <laughs>